it's like sort of f five minutes of sort of thinking about thunder and stuff like that and, and, the, and the breeze and then a 15 minute song and then a 10 minute kind of improv loud kind of thing thinking about various things and then a, a 15 minute song and then a five minute kind of outro thing to... hey welcome you're listening to my teeth need attention a more or less weekly or bi-weekly podcast I didn't have an episode last week I was a bit uh, tied up at the house I couldn't really find the time to get an episode in but uh, I did spend some time last week interviewing uh, Mark Anderson and Mark Sadgrove of Greymouth uh, two New Zealanders who live in uh, Japan right now outside Tokyo or inside Tokyo so uh, we spent some time and talked about uh, how they ended up in Japan, uh, how they met, started Greymouth, some other projects of theirs, including Mysteries of Love, which you're hearing in the background here, uh, a label that Mark Sedgrove ran, some activities that Mark Anderson does in Tokyo, including uh, booking and things like that. So we had a good time uh, talking, and I want to thank them again for the uh, interview and giving me the time and working around the schedule of being about 13 hours uh, off time. <laughs> so uh, we're going to listen to this Mysteries of Love track, which is called No One, uh, some more, and then uh, we're going to get into the interview. So uh, stick around. Uh, you can catch the show up on mixcloud.com slash carbonjotunis. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. It's at My Teeth Need Attention. And that's also the handle on Instagram. And you can also become a Patreon if you feel like supporting the podcast up at patreon.com slash My Teeth Need Attention. All right, so let's get into the music and then we'll get into the interview. And then I'll probably play a bunch of Greymouth and related tracks after the interview. All right, take care.
actually sometimes gets asked if he's my son. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, <laughs> we 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 used to we used to practice uh, weirdly. I, I mean, I don't know why, but on the on Sunday mornings at ten a.m. and we would go to this one place for lunch afterwards every time. And yeah, the guy asked, once asked, you know, where my son was on this particular day because he wasn't there, and oh. I was. Oh. I like, you know that guy's about forty or something. <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a little on the short side, Joe. If that helps you um, imagine why that, that might happen, and you know, you can't tell how old the, uh, you know, Japanese people can't tell how, how old you are as easily as they can with. You know, oh, they they have fairly good other. stats at at, at at nailing my age. You know, yeah. usually over, <laughs> over sixty though or something. It's all uh, you know the. Yeah. <laughs> Hair color does it all the time, man, because I, I don't have much gray and people think I'm, you know, 30. I'm like, nope. <laughs> Not, I yeah. wish, but nope. <laughs> Good luck. What's that? Good You're looking. in the prime of your life there, yeah. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let me just do a, a little quick intro and then I'll get into it. We'll probably kind of circle back to what you were just talking about. But I want to thank uh, Mark and Mark from uh, Graymouth uh, for joining the podcast. The podcast is called My Teeth Need Attention. Uh, I'm assuming you guys probably know where that line is from. Do you? Yeah, Mark's a big fan of that line, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. of course. Now, as soon as I saw that line, I was in love with the podcast already. Yeah, <laughs> I, used, I used to do a radio show on a low-powered station in Auckland, which was called Hell is Now Love. So there you go. Oh, look at that. Yeah, so I just chose a different, uh, <laughs> a different one to you. but <laughs> I actually anyway, reached out to Michael Morley to just get oh. his permission to use it you know we, <laughs> we've done stuff before um i put a seven out of his and stuff and and you know his uh, communication with him isn't always great uh through like i'm always guessing what the best way is like facebook or email and i got no response so i'm like i'll go for it <laughs> i don't think he'll care but if you read that um that a majora interview about regarding that uh that metric lp or something that kind of got his levels of communication i think got him into trouble there as well i think um, <laughs> i think it was supposed to be a dead sea record but it was put out as a gate record and various people were upset uh, so the legend goes you yeah. know the metric lp really yeah yeah i, I believe that. that's oh. if you yeah if you go online and, and look for the for the majora interview it's through dynamite hemorrhage you you can um you can find that and it's yeah it makes for pretty uh, interesting reading i suppose <laughs> yeah so, um so yeah, so real quick, uh, where you guys both grew up in New Zealand, right? I'm assuming. Yeah. Yes. Um, did you how uh, like how long ago did you guys meet, or like you know where you grew up? Did you grow up in the same town or? No, I grew up in a place called Hastings, uh, on the east coast of the North Island, um, and moved <clears throat> moved to Wellington shortly uh, after high school. Then moved back up to uh, moved up to Auckland in uh, at about age twenty or so. But I didn't actually meet Mark in New Zealand. Um, I met Mark over here. Oh, a good 15 years ago, I suppose. No, not quite, but 14. <laughs> no, I think it's more than that. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I think it's about that actually. But anyway, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> okay. And Mark S. So, so, all right. So, uh, how do you guys refer to yourselves anyway? Mark A and Mark S. Or? Yeah, oh, as, my, that. as my son, yeah. Yeah, all right. So, <laughs> yeah, son. Yeah. so Mark and Mark Jr., let's, uh, let's go with that. Huh? Yeah. All right, so Mark Sr., uh, you moved to Japan, so you're saying like 15 uh -huh. years ago. So Mark Jr., um, you grew up in where in uh, oh, yeah. New Zealand? So I, I grew up uh, north of Auckland, so the, the big uh, city that everyone hates. 
Um, about an hour north in a place called Omaha Beach, believe it or not. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's now known as a playground for the rich, but uh, at that time it was, it was a great place to grow up. I mean, growing up on the beach is, is always a, a great thing. And uh, it was just full of batches. So it's like, it like a ghost town for most of the year. And that's where we lived. So you might have to explain what a batch is, Mark, because you oh, might think of it. A batch, summer home, like, does it? Like bachelors or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah summer homes, uh, just full of summer homes. Pretty, pretty old, crappy ones. So a batch in New Zealand, that's like a whole thing, right? There. So those are like just, yeah, like a lake. Like here, we'd have a lake cottage or a lake house, which yeah, is like yeah, it's not really insulated. It's enough to yeah, sleep in. Exactly. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got, you got some really, waterfront and yeah. that's all you need. Yeah, okay. But, it, but it's called, a, it's referred to as a crib in the South Island. So, and that's not like a, a hip hop, uh, like a, a gangster rap thing. It's just a, a called a crib down there. Yeah. So it's a batch up north and a crib down south? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two North um, Island boys anyway. So there you go. Not, not from so the were south. You guys, uh, you guys were playing music back when you both lived in New Zealand, but just not together? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually moved here 20 years ago. So Mark moved here about 15 or so. Oh, okay. um, and this, sorry, this is, this is, this is, this is Mark uh, Anderson talking here. But I'm sorry, that's probably quite confusing. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I had been um, in a band here and played in just sort of house bands and things like that for parties, you know, sort of one-off things and whatnot. Um, yeah, nothing too serious. <laughs> Did you, uh, were you into, so I was, you know, being from not from New Zealand, right? Mm. We think of the New Zealand music scene as this thing that, you know, it's all like just amazing, <laughs> you know, Flying Nun and uh, Expressway. And, you know, like, were you aware, like, is everyone aware of that stuff, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago? Um, if you're remotely into weird music, um, I'm assuming you're aware of it, right? And you're following like, you know, yeah. all those early Flying Nun bands and... Yeah, I mean, most of the major sort of university towns have a university radio station, the same thing that Mark would have had his show on. And that, you know, definitely would playlist and play a lot of that stuff. Um, Auckland, for example, had BFM. That's what I'm assuming Mark was on. There was a, radio, uh, a record store there called Crawl Space Records, which would have been the sort of the you know, the yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was a label as well. And, um, you know, I put out a lot of very good lathe uh, releases. And that's sort of where a lot of people would have congregated. And uh, that's where you could have bought that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, it's not known by everyone, that sort of music. Definitely Fly Nun is a bit of a household name, you know, but not everyone even, I mean, it's a household name, sure. But things like Expressway and, you know, getting more sort of, Minor than that, no, not at all. Magazines like a pro, like a Probrium, they would have had a, a pretty limited readership, um, probably more so overseas than in New Zealand. Everyone's kind of looking, you know, sort of outward, um, I suppose, and that sort of thing. You know, I mean, the, the, you know, like Bruce Russell always talking about the fact that you know that it was always for almost sort of for overseas audiences. A lot of the, these releases they had in mind and whatnot. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, all targeted mm -hmm. to Silk Reason. Philly in the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, even when you could, even when you could like turn on the television and see, you know, a Flying Nun band music video, that, that would have been maybe in the 90s. And you know, 90s Flying Nun is not really what people, <laughs> people right. think of. I don't yeah, think right. in the States. Yeah. 
I mean, it was a very different beast. Which, and I, I grew up with '90s Flying Nun, and I didn't mind the back catalogue until later, which is kind of weird thinking about it now. But, um, but I mean, I have a great affection for the '90s stuff, which is not really considered to be the, the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, that, and that's almost what I'm saying. Like, yeah. So my purview of Flying Nun is like you kind of know where I'm directing to. And I know that the label put out just a ton of stuff. I mean, right. A wide range of music. That's not music that I listen to probably. When did you guys started playing together when you met in Japan? Uh, so what, 15 years ago, you're saying there? Yeah. yeah uh, I, I think we actually both have a different, <laughs> a different narrative of how this kind of came about, but. That's right. <laughs> Go for it. Let's have your narrative. <laughs> So there's an, I mean, there's a really great organization in Auckland called the Audio Foundation and a uh, woman who was running that at the time, Zoe, she was over and from from, from what I can remember, we were at uh, uh, an Afri Rampo show and she was at that, but I also remember going backstage and her talking to Heino and uh, so I don't know if that was the same show or not, but I had the feeling that Mark and I met there <laughs> at that show through Zoe, who was, you know, through, who was here um, through the audio foundation of New Zealand, uh, Auckland, New Zealand. And, uh, but yeah, Mark, I'm not sure. Is it, is that the consensus? It's pretty, I mean, pretty close. I mean, I remember the, that definitely remember that gig where Zoe was backstage talking to Keiji Haino. And then, uh, but yeah, I remember, I seem to remember that we went just the two of us to this gig at Earthdom and that was Afri Rampo and, <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean it's weird, eh? It's 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 nice to have um, a, a, a origin story that's shrouded in the mists of time. <laughs> well, age will do that. <laughs> or the yeah. fog of the fog of alcohol, probably. Is yeah. <laughs> part of it, I don't know. That, but plus anyway, years, roughly yeah. speaking, yeah. roughly speaking, that's definitely the the right the right order of events, you know. That's fine. Yeah, I was just uh, I just actually had an interaction with Audio Foundation because I was trying to get copies of that uh, Erwan Calling. Is that how you pronounce that? Erwan Calling, the book? Yeah. But I keep seeing this book listed everywhere and man, you can't get it anywhere. And I'm thinking, oh, it's sold out. And, you know, it goes on eBay for a ton of money. Um, And then somebody reached out. uh, Now I'm trying to think. Somebody in New Zealand. Richard Front? No, because he. No, it wasn't him. Um, Gosh, I can't remember. It might have been Campbell. Maybe okay. Campbell Neal, maybe. Somebody reached out saying, oh yeah, I think I can get a copy here. I could just buy it and send it to you. I'm like, well, I'd like to actually get a few copies and you know, for my mail order. <laughs> so I'm like, it's still in print. And they're like, oh yeah. So like I started really? talking to one of the Audio Foundation people on Instagram and they're like, I'm just the Instagram guy. You got to email the, <laughs> the business folks. And so, yeah, it took a little while to get it back and forth, but yeah, they just shipped out some copies to me. So I'm kind of psyched to get it. There's always a box of something sitting around, you know. <laughs> I think it was published by Cloud, maybe Cloud, I think, publishing did that. But yeah, um, Richard, I think, put that together, did a really beautiful job of that. Um, mm. He was, yeah, Richard was actually over movie. here when I first got here too, Richard it's Francis. Richard Francis, yeah. 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 So he was a, an early um, sort of, uh, yeah, drinking touchstone. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so uh, who was it? Uh, Mark Jr. who played with him and Rosie Parlane in a group? Oh, yeah. I played in uh, Planes for a while. I was yeah, digging, yeah. yeah, I was digging around Discogs and I was like, oh, look at yeah. that group. What is that? I mean, I, I stayed in Auckland, uh, you know, I mean, I, I was in Auckland when, how, how do I put this? I mean, 
when I found that kind of weird music and, uh, you know, somehow it got kind of led into the scene. I think it was just through Campbell. I mean, I think Campbell something and he put it out and that kind of gave me enough credibility to actually like end up, um, yeah, I met Richard and, and Rosie. Um, and yeah, it was a really fun time. Yeah, um, I think I, I used to do, tra I, you know, I've been running uh, Carbon forever since 94. And during the, especially during like the, you know, uh, I guess late 90s CDR craze, you know, where like just people were putting out so much stuff. I was trading with like, I don't know how many labels, I forget them now of how many labels I was trading with and just how many alone in uh, New Zealand I was trading with. Um, and I used to trade with Rosie back then too. Um, but just, a t you know, and that's why I met Camel Neal. Like I traded him just nonstop getting... Uh, celebrate stuff in and so so if you were trading with Rosie back then was that already Sigma like the Sigma edition stuff or was it god 90s sorry I, I can't get yeah my it was, it was probably late I'm I'm assuming this is probably late 90s and then early 2000s so I started mm -hmm. doing I know in like 90 well no in 2000 into 2001 I did this just stupid idea of a series I put out two things a month for a year <laughs> And it was just insane trying to keep up it's with the schedule. Um, I mean, I had kind of everyone okay and everyone got me stuff on time. That wasn't the hard part. It was just, the, you know, finding the time and I was duping everything myself and doing all the artwork and stuff like that. Uh, and that was my like, because I, I tried to do CDRs before that years before, because I'm a tech guy. So I like bought a CDR burner like way back when and uh, no one can play the CDR. CD. I would give them to friends yeah. and they're like, my player doesn't play this. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, so I left it for a while. And then like a few years later, I I noticed noise, noise groups and labels putting out CDRs. I'm like, Oh shit. I wonder if they work now. And sure enough, like the, the wicked cheap stuff start working everywhere, you know? Um, yeah, that was a, a heady time. Wasn't it? The CDR label craze, you know, it was pretty, pretty interesting. Time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Mark, um, so Mark, uh, I, I really can't call him Mark senior. It's just, um, so Mark, Mark Anderson was like already knew, I mean, you know, and you, they say in New Zealand, everyone knows everyone. It's certainly true. I think in musical circles anyway, I mean, he already knew like, you must have, oh, okay. You actually met Richard in Japan. Is that true? No, you yeah. would have known him yeah. before, didn't yeah. you? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. I've been here for a couple of years, I think. At that point. But what about Rosie? You would have known. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, Joe, I was I was running a, a sort of an artist-run space gallery in Auckland before I left New Zealand, and uh, through that, I suppose I met people like Rosie and such. But no, no, actually, I met Rosie through an old house, an old uh, apartment right. I was living in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the gallery, the gallery itself, uh, I was running. We, we we actually had a show, a Michael Morley exhibition, while we were doing that, but. Um, that sort of enabled myself to leave the country. Actually, we got some funding to have some exhibitions over in Holland. And actually, when we were there, Rosie was li living there um, with um, oh, I've forgotten his name. But anyway, yeah, the, his partner in Sigma Editions. Um, yeah, they were. So I got to see those guys perform over there. When, and then I went, came via through Japan and just didn't leave. Didn't go home. <laughs> I was supposed to. <laughs> Part of the agreement but i didn't go home. <laughs> yeah so the, the, i was gonna ask you yeah how did you end up there really just happenstance like you you were going through uh, well, like i kind of like, like it. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, like everybody, I was interested in what was going on here, um, music-wise, um, and you know, a whole lot of other different things. And I, I'd actually gotten a job here before I left New Zealand, so I was planning on staying six months. It's pretty easy for New Zealanders to stay to get a work visa for six months. And I was twenty-seven at the time, and just didn't feel like going back to New Zealand. Really, there wasn't. I felt like I was enjoying myself a lot here. It was very comfortable. I had some good friends already. Had made a bit of a network and stuff, and just. Yeah, stuck around, and then next thing you know, it's been twenty years. So that's <laughs> it's quite quite a common story and quite easy. Quite um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all too easy. Yeah. So you guys, uh, all right. So you meet and you start Greymouth in like two thousand, what eight, ten, something like that. Yeah, it might have been the seven. I, I was think. gonna say the first seven? on Discogs, the first release I think is two thousand eight, if you can believe it. Well, um that makes sense. So around I that think. time. So how did that happen? Like how did you guys meet in Japan and decide to start jamming? Yeah, I think through that uh sort of common friends, uh, as I said, uh Zoe from the Audio oh, Foundation. Right, yeah. I think um you know, I'd, I'd been in, I think, one band. I, actually, I was in a, in a band with Richard, but I think that that's best not talked about. It was sort of just for a, a one-off for a part. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I was in a sort of like a more of a sort of kind of garagey band, I suppose, and that dissolved. And then Mark just sort of said that he wanted to do something more guitar-based, I think, on that first time we met. And, you know, I was very much up for doing something. And, um, yeah, we just decided to rent a studio and go for it. And it was... We had our first show, maybe not that much longer after that. I think Mark was. It would have been a Dom there. show, would it? Or yeah, yeah. The studio that we we play at just has shows uh, every now and then. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Does the studio system in Japan translate to? <laughs> does that, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Can you? Uh, I guess you have studios. I don't know, uh, do people playing like studios a, in the states? Not really. A recording studio or. No, uh, practice studio, rehearsal studio. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, they call them rehearsal spaces here. Yeah, like a studio, oh, yeah, like yeah. here would be more like a visual artist would have a studio. They would call it a studio, but like a musician would call it a studio. So if you like here, if you say I'm going to the studio, that means you're going to record like it's a recording studio. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, being in Japan, you can't really make any noise in your apartment. So... Uh, you're very limited. I mean, we've we've started doing. You know, I've 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 had a couple of shows at my apartment. Actually, Mark Mark's played both of those. But um, and we did a sort of a live pod, uh, live sort of stream from here. But um, that was you know, very kind of quiet as far as comparatively to what maybe we used to sound like. But um, yeah. So the studios here are very very cheap to rent, and they have everything: full drum kits, every uh, amps, everything you could need. So you literally just have to turn up with your drumsticks or your guitar. So. And, and, you, and you rent that uh, like per diem kind of thing, like when you need oh, it. Or? Hourly, yeah, hourly. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, okay. Oh, so that's, New York City, I think, has as places uh, like this. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. That's foreign. Uh, like you know, I live in New York, but like seven hours away from New York City. I'm on the other end of the state. Uh, but I know New York. Oh, friends in New York City, it's the same thing. Like you, practice space is just a pain, and you could do that. You could rent studio, you know, uh, space, rent, practice space, rehearsal space. For like an hour or two, and you don't have to lug your drums around because no one has a car. Yeah, so, right. You know. These are these these practice spaces are, are everywhere. <laughs> They're literally everywhere. Um, 
so you're never at a, at a loss really to find something very very reasonable very very close by and mark and i were living very close to each other so we went to this place called dom which is sort of a bit of a kind of collective it's sort of one of uh, sort of has a bit of an anarchist vibe to it um and they put on these kind of quite sort of insane all-night parties there's usually a few naked person naked people walking around and we played our first show there we just got slotted on it quite late <laughs> quite late in the evening, like two in the morning or something who knows two in the morning and that 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 performance is actually up on youtube actually <laughs> oh that's right yeah, yeah. Forgot about that. yeah um do you guys is your stuff all improv or is yeah <laughs> yeah i mean yeah and until recently when we've started because of the circumstances of the lockdown here and stuff we've just sort of been sending exchanging files and doing things that way but yeah initially yeah everything so you know the the sort of hit and miss ratio was pretty high um we might have a couple <laughs> of sessions that were like predictable sort of quite productive and you might get a few things that you know I, I suppose the format that we were going for was sort of you know about a three minute mark two two minutes sort of thing not sort of dragging things out and so yeah, we went, we're not really like a long kind of drawn out jam band. I think I've got quite a short attention span or something. So I don't know, you might, you might get about three different, like three different drum beats in one, one so-called song, but it's, um, yeah, that was sort of the, the, how we were approaching it really. Um, so within about like two hours, we would have about an hour and a half's worth of material, but you know, that was like, a lot of that was just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lots to pick from. Yeah, it's a unique thing, though, in the kind of free noise improv world is to go with that, that idea of like, let's create short pieces, you know, you know, most like groups I'm in, you know, it takes you five minutes to just get started. And, you know, and then, then you get into a groove and then, you know, you got your thing and then, you know, somebody has to figure out how to get that onto a record because it's way too long, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, it's kind of it's fresh, refreshing to hear that. I I did something like that years ago. Oh man, like '96 or something. Uh, me and my buddy had this duo, and we basically decided to try to like write dead old Dead Sea songs, like you know the short <laughs> short quote pop songs they have, right? Even though they say they don't write songs, they obviously had songs because they would redo them multiple times. Uh, so we did that and it was kind of fun to try to do that and just keep it short and, but not in a, like a, a rock, uh, you know, mode, maybe, I don't know, who knows, but. What was the, what was the, 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 pit, the Peter Gutteridge heckle of the Dead Sea? Something like, like you wouldn't play like that unless you knew, knew what you were doing or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I guess, I guess as far as sort of more long form stuff, you know, Mar uh, as you probably know, Mark and I were in the Mysteries of Love together and um, that was sort of happening concurrently with Greymouth. So that was sort of, yeah, an opportunity for us to sort of maybe extend and, you know, um, not just be in each other's back pockets as well. Like, you know, as, as a four piece uh, vocals, another vocalist, Anthony doing that and Noel on guitar, um, sort of lead guitar, I suppose, and us just, Sort of providing some kind of lead guitar, yeah. Some clatter in the background, yeah. Is that a, is that yeah? Is that project still going or? I well, mean, to, um, to as as much as anything is still going right now, but. Yeah, well, Mark and I are the only ones still living in Japan. Uh, Anthony uh, from Love Chance and Black Pedal, he moved back to Australia quite a few years ago now. Um, oh, okay. 
And Noel, who was the guitarist, he just left Japan after quite a long period of time uh, last November uh, to go back to Ireland. And but we we we've got a bit of a you know as most bands do, we've got a bit of a backlog of material, and we're actually we've just compiled a tape for uh, Seasight, so that's coming oh. out. Soon. Yeah, so we're oh, that's quite awesome. excited. Yeah, we were quite surprised, I think, to find that <laughs> some of the stuff we were sitting on was actually kind of okay. I mean, not just you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean. Because that that band, you know, we would sort of literally get together about three times a year, as I suppose a lot of these sort of loosely, you know, loose collectives kind of do. And yeah, just involved kind of getting together as bands do, drinking in the studio and just sort of getting stuff down. And yeah, it was a lot of it was just, I mean, as much similar to sort of, I suppose, with Mark and I, just sort of camaraderie, just sort of more about just friends kind of hanging out really. And just, we just happened to make some, make some sound together and um you know, I think Anthony's very good at orchestrating these kinds of projects. Uh, it was sort of his band, I think that's how we viewed it. And he was, you know, the vocalist and he sort of was the one that kind of, yeah, I don't know, threw the, these the different elements together. Um, it started off a lot differently to how it ended up, but um, the way it sort of mutated and what it became, I think, um, yeah, it was, I think a lot, a lot of it was done to Anthony, I think, actually. Yeah. When, uh, what, and, when is that uh, material from? Like, how long ago? Oh. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, Christian. Yeah, is, is, is some relatively new stuff in Ten? there. I can't yeah. remember. Oh yeah, so um, you know, Anthony's wife is Japanese, and he comes over every you know once every couple of years, and um, we we actually did do uh, an album release party for that LP of ours that was on. What was that on? Oh, uh, Albert's basement, and um, yeah, we've done recording sessions again while you know the times that he's been over, but um. Yeah, there is some recent material, but I don't know. I don't know how it stacks up. I don't know. It just sounds like us, you know. It's just yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the, yeah, so the site, the site recordings uh, release is going to be the older stuff. Yeah. Yes. Pre, yeah. Pre yeah, him yeah. moving away. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. 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 How how did that work out? Did Stefan uh, reach out to you guys? Like how how did he come about you? Um, you know, working um, with you guys. Yeah. Well, you know, I've I've bought things off him and. Um, you know, like a lot of people in this sort of community, I suppose, just become almost sort of pen pals in a way. Not that, yep. you know, um, I bought his stuff. He's, he himself has released and yeah, he kind of reached out to us or to me, I should say about this, the gray mouth tape, but in terms of the mystery stuff, I think he probably went through Anthony because I think Anthony is actually also doing a solo tape uh, in uh, maybe it's, it's going to be released at the same time as the mysteries one, I think. Um, but I think, yeah, Anthony and I have sort of been dealing with that and um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so did uh, like Adishi Del Barone, was that a, a, essentially the same thing? You just, I mean, there's, a, there's, a, this seems like a tight connection between uh, Sweden, Gothenburg, Sweden and New Zealand. Not that you're in New Zealand right now, but. Yeah. Well, uh, Matthias, again, you know, I, I was uh, uh, a customer and, you know, just sort of would mail him a lot and, um, yeah, you know, he asked us to contribute a song to that uh, that seven inch, which was you know in, done in the vein of that. Um, yeah, right. yeah. uh, I hear the devil calling my name. That sort of expressway, sort of most sort of sampler kind of. That, yeah, uh, I think Drag City uh, short songs, and I was I actually went over to Sweden. I I've got a few Swedish friends, and um, I went over there the summer that was released. Uh, I actually, I met Matthias and Charlotte, um, Charlotte, obviously partner from the, the great band, um, 
uh, treasury of puppies. But uh, yeah, we we met up, uh, we drank. Um, he he gave he 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 gave me the copies of that seven inch, and um, weirdly enough, I, I actually proposed <laughs> after that meeting. <laughs> proposed to my partner after that meeting that I was drinking with him with them um but uh yeah he sort of put put the offer out there for us to put it to do a seven inch and that was you know I think we didn't have anything else on the on the table at that point so we you know sort of put our best foot forward for that I think and yeah that came out and um yeah you know I uh discreet record discreet music and uh IDDB the label that yeah there's a massive of sort of New Zealand connection I think Mateus is like a, a a fans fan kind of thing you know um uh he's very very deeply into those things um it shows actually, uh it yeah. shows by you know what the store does what the labels do I I can never keep track of how many different labels he's running because uh, <clears throat> I don't know who's running what oh. but I, right he runs I mean discreet's a label now and ID ADG double own and then uh or like for free music Oh yeah, and then yeah. there's for Naming Archive, right? Yeah, oh, and there's the CDR. I'm saying them all uh, wrong, I'm sure, but label and uh, yeah, and I yeah I actually um, I I proofread that uh, that zine he just did the speaker crackle one. I, I don't know if I did a great job of that, but I. Uh... <laughs> it's good enough so far. I've been digging through that. <laughs> it's I like a, when I'm when I'm waiting for calls to start or meetings right. at work to start. I have that thing next to my on my desk, and I keep reading through the. Yeah, uh, it's perfect. I dip into and out of, uh, yeah. I love how some of the reviews in it are just brutally honest. <laughs> you know, they're not, you know, they're not all glowing. They're not all just, oh, this is great. This is great. You know, someone's like, this is shit. And I didn't like it then. And I, it doesn't really do anything for me now, right? <laughs> no, it, it is good. It is good from that angle. That, that's something that Anthony actually really, um, yeah, talked about that he really appreciated that angle to it too. Because, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark's Mark's review is quite good on that one. I don't know if you've read the, his one yet. I don't think I got to that yet. Um, Mateus sort of referred to it as true lathe porn. <laughs> Whatever that means, but I yeah, but I, I kind of get it. That that was actually a yeah uh, something that that Richard released, and you know, I guess Richard from living here, um, probably uh, much the same as Anthony's black pedal releases. You know, um, grew a real fondness and appreciation for Japanese paper and sort of uh, you know. Uh, so their releases, I think, have a quite a tactile kind of yeah. yeah. Mm. You enjoy um, Japan Japan era um, black pedal in that case. Uh, I would I would expect. Yeah, I don't know if Tony has enough paper left over for recent releases, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's all very very obi and nice washy Japanese paper styles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what um I guess moving forward, like, what do you guys have uh on on deck for Greymouth. Um, well, I think uh, like you, Joe, we've we've just uh, submitted a track to to Campbell's um, precise selection. <laughs> <laughs> How's that track going, Joe? Did you, did you get it? Did you get it done? I submitted it. I find, I, I did submit it. Yeah, yesterday or day before? I think it was yesterday. Well, you know, today for you. <laughs> I don't know. Um, right, right. Um, so there's yeah. So we got that away, um, and we uh, yeah we sort of recording an album now, I suppose. Uh, I think that's, we've been asked by Sophomore Lounge to do something. Um, uh, you know, I've had a couple of people uh, express interest. I think they were maybe just the first, I don't know. And um, yeah, I don't know, we're, Mark's probably a, a, like a, 
a lot more busy than I am at the moment. Um, so I have I'm to sort sitting of been, on a lot of your recordings and uh, I'm just been bombarding definitely enough there for a few albums. Uh, just been not sitting on them a whole, whole lot of rubbish. Just, you know? just have yeah. to wait until the, the inspiration strikes to go deal with go deal with them all. Are you guys able to? You guys aren't able to uh, be together right now, like to play together. You guys are kind oh, of I, still there. I think I think we could, but I just think out of respect to our you know our partners, that it's probably not a great thing yeah, to sure. be uh, in a studio. I mean, it, it can be done. Um, but yeah, and I don't know, we, we've just sort of hit this working method at the moment, which sort of seems to be kind of working for us. So um, yeah, we're just sort of running with that actually. So I guess that, that's been dictated by the current circumstances like everyone else is dealing with it in their own way. And I think that's just something that we've, yeah, sort of um, sort of leaned into and it's yeah, kind of working for us, I think in a way. How do you normally, uh, so how do you normally do this? Uh, do, does one of you usually record some track and then send the other one and then they do overdubs and then that's it? Or is it back and forth? Or does the originator change from time to time? So I've, done, I've, done, I've done these kind of things even before. Like I did, I actually, I did stuff with, oh man, who was it? Anthony Milton, years and years oh, ago. Oh, we yeah. used to, we, we, tra we did a release together that I put out. Uh, maybe he put one out too, I can't remember. And we traded tracks back and forth. Right, um, right, right. We, we each start it and then we trade it and then we kind of overdubbed on each other's and then i don't know probably went back and forth maybe once hmm. was that by, yeah, by a question yeah yeah um uh probably because i have a lot more free time free time in my hands i suppose I, i'm sort of sending mark a whole lot of uh, <laughs> stuff um, but uh yeah mark it does go the other way um and i i've even started uh kind of you know god help us uh doing some vocals actually <laughs> just, uh i don't know if that's such a good idea but i um yeah i've sort of been kind of murmuring on a few things and uh yeah giving that a go but uh yeah i just yeah i suppose just mark will probably wake up in the morning and there'll be unfortunately be a big stack of rubbish in his, in, in his inbox <laughs> uh, yeah it's not unfortunate at all but um but no i i like your question because i mean especially we've kind of been like a no overdubs or or very very limited over overdubs kind of band until now and then no i, I that was almost part of my credo i wasn't interested in multi-tracking music anymore because that's what i did when i was a teenager you know and i had a four track and I kind of thought, well, you know, I, I just want to blast it live and, and we'll, something good happens, it happens. But on the, on the other hand, I mean, then Corona comes out of the blue and you're like, well, I don't really want to stop making music either. So I guess it's, I guess we'll just go back to the tracking style of doing things. But on the other hand, I, personally speaking, I don't, I don't really like to, to do it more than go back and forth more than once. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind yeah. of nice yeah. to get the surprise of opening, um, mark mark anderson's tracks and then i'm like oh okay well i'm gonna do this with that and i hope he likes it because because <laughs> that's what i've done and like if he doesn't like it well there's the veto power you know we're a we're a democratic band this veto power is not democratic probably but anyway um it is yeah yeah no, we have a veto we have a veto uh system uh and and yeah it's like oh yeah it didn't really work did it okay well we'll we'll try another <laughs> combination I, I kind of like that we're doing things. It doesn't tend mm -hmm. to mush that way, you know? Or it does tend to mush, but it's it's just because the recordings are really bad to start with. <laughs> I did this, uh, I have this trio uh, that we, at the beginning of the pandemic, the three of us were in the same town, but we weren't getting together. 
So we came up with the idea <clears throat> that we each we each started two tracks, two songs, and then we traded them in particular orders. So we all overdubbed. So it was like it was called permutation. So it was the idea of like that's all there was. It was only three overdubs, you know, three tracks on each song, and that's it. Um, and the last person got to mix it. <laughs> and so they could mix, you know, kind of kill something too. Uh, that was part of the mixing process, but um, that was kind of a nice thing. It was a nice rule to put around, at least uh, to control like overdubbing madness and doing too much or overthinking stuff, you know? Mm. Yeah, I think yeah. Sort of working within limitations, I think, has been a thing we've, yeah, sort of, yeah, worked with, I suppose, which might be a limitation in itself, but that's something we've worked with and worked within those, yeah, bounds of that. I suppose. No, it's been different though, right? I, I think the other really nice thing about the this way of doing things is like going back to what Mark was just saying before, is that, you know, I mean, we did used to have a, a bit of a dynamic where, I mean, I was on the guitar and he was on the drums and you know, that sets up, it's a really standard band dynamic and the, the guy on the guitar is always the, the idiot mouthing off and the guy on the drums is just back there keeping it cool and keeping time. And I mean, we, we were changing that big time anyway, before, before COVID. But uh, now it's just like, yeah, I mean, Mark will write a song. I mean, he, I mean, there's even solo, <laughs> there's solo tracks. <laughs> I don't know if I should give that away, but there's solo tracks on most of the recent, <laughs> on two of the recent releases. You know, it's, it's really nice. Um, it's the way it should be, you know. Do, do you both dynamics, do, do you cool. stick to that it's instrumentation when you're working the way you're working now? Is it still just drums and guitar each, or no? And, and I, yeah, I, I was doing some percussion on, on the last, last okay. album, if you can call it percussion. Mark Anderson doesn't realize you did that. Yeah, and Mark's on the vocals. Um, I don't think he started playing guitar yet, but uh, I'm sure that'll happen at some point. Oh, I, I, I kind of made a guitar, but it's not. That's I right. Know. I forgot about that. Um, but yeah, I, I play a lot more, I, a lot of keyboards and things and uh, use tapes and stuff like that. And um yeah, and sort of contact mic things, you know, all the, the usual boring things that everyone else is doing. <laughs> but the keyboard's really good, right? I thought keyboard for classic New Zealand bands was always kind of a good thing, right? Whenever the keyboard was, was in there, it was just like magic. I mean, it was a different, a different keyboard sound. <laughs> I can't remember what keyboard sound it is. Sorry, forgive me. But uh, yeah, and we're, we're a bit more Casio tone, but uh, hey, it's, it's okay. Yeah, there's no it's organ, true. there's no big light. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it works. I, I like it a lot. It's really nice to have that complete change of, of dynamic. I was hoping Mark, Mark could talk a bit about his label, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, I mean, know, because it's our, not even a, a going well, concern anymore, really. But uh, well, no, well, it's not I guess our, our, our first release, which was a self-released CD, was uh, sort of split between Mark's label and a kind of a, a fake label that I made up called Drunk Uncle. <laughs> and Still waiting for Mark, that label to do some more releases. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I guess, you know, Mark, Mark was releasing, um, you know, Peter King lathe uh, releases on that. Some local people here, some friends and whatnot back home. Um, yeah, Mark, <laughs> let's hear about it. Look, it's very kind of you to uh, to bring it up. Uh, hasn't been a release in quite a long time. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really like lathes, and I, I don't know what what I'll do after that. I was trying to make my own lathe cutter, which kind of started working, but uh, then I had to move, and it got broken down. 
so yeah i mean i was a lot more active when i first uh, came here uh so yeah those releases happened and there's still a few of them sitting around <laughs> oh yeah sure. you started you ran that label uh strictly in japan like in your uh, in japan, so when I, no i started it in new zealand yeah a binary okay. date and yeah um and it was just meant to be a lathe a lathe cut label it was all lathe cuts yeah oh yeah, except for the first thing you guys put out was a CDR, though you say that or? was yeah that yeah. was uh, that was special. We didn't know if that would come across very well on a on a lathe, so that was a proper CD, right? That's oh, right. Um, yeah, yeah. It was kind of the tail end of when I considered making CDs to be kind of still. I don't know. I don't know when I went off CDs. I mean, it's kind of weird. It's still a pretty good medium in principle, but it just doesn't seem. It just the, the market seemed to die. In yeah, right. I guess it was like it must have been the two thousand eight. I sort of remember two thousand eight. You know the financial crisis here in the U.S. Mm, so we, yeah, I mean yeah. it was kind of worldwide, but right. Um, but like everything went to shit here. Uh, everyone stopped buying any music, and then CD sales never came back. Like mm. you could not give a CD away. It's the weirdest thing. Um, now yeah, I think yeah, it's slightly coming back. Um, I think, I think so actually. Yeah, yeah, it seems like there's some people, you know, and it's weird. It's just there's no reason why it went away and it's coming back, you know, other than we. It's a meme. It's like a meme, right? It's like it's just trend. There's nothing yeah, technological. Yeah, I think so. You know, like you can argue CDR as well. They were kind of, you know, they don't hold up very well over a year sometimes. Um, my. Uh, I had friends who considered CDRs were crap because it meant anybody could put anything out without <laughs> a, a lot of effort. I liked that idea of it, but I had yeah. friends who didn't like that idea of it. Uh, yeah. You, you kind of mentioned you didn't know Peter King, and then you kind of glut. Uh, it was. I always used to enjoy talking talking to him after I seen him each late. Though I used to ring him up and <laughs> say, "Hey, I've sent you something." Yeah. Um, and it was just nice to nice to chat to him. So uh, yeah, I would have to call. I would have to figure out how to call him, and then he would tell me how to like do a bank transfer. Right. And, and I would look. I would look that up. I would go to my bank and ask that, and they're like, "Well, it's going to cost you like X amount processing." And so I'd call him back. I'm like, "Is there another way?" He's like, "You can send me cash." I'm like, "All right." So I would like put you know three hundred dollars in an envelope and yeah. get the hell out of it. And I'm like, same here, man. Yeah, same here. Whatever, you know, like I'd rather a postal <laughs> guy taking three hundred dollars than my bank taking an extra fifty dollars of a fee, right, for a wire transfer. Yeah, um, yeah. So I figured it too. So yeah, never that, failed yeah, once. So never failed. So no, I yeah, I, everything I sent him, I got back. The one I got an LP, I did an LP with him once. Uh, it's a solo recording of mine, and I called it uh, three hundred fifty-eight days because that's how long it took me to get it back from him. Um, because it was right around the time long, the, the Beastie Boys hired him to uh, press. So yeah. he was like cutting Beastie Boys things for months. It was years ago. It was like 90, late mm -hmm. 90s, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, he sent me this letter like explain, with the record, like explaining what happened. I'm like, dude, you don't, like, who cares about my record? Is a guy, is a guy in Christchurch doing it now? Um, and we were we were talking the other day about maybe just doing a, a small uh, limited run as people are referring to this kind of thing now um, ourselves because wondering why we hadn't done it before so yeah, yeah, yeah. we might that was a mm. bit of a novelty or something but um you know jump on the bandwagon as a, 
you know, 25 years later. Or yeah. something. <laughs> I bought a, I bought two lathe cutters on eBay uh, years ago. They were, um, so in the U.S., I mean, I'm sure it was worldwide, but in around uh, the 1940s and 50s, I think, these came out as like uh, record players, but it, was, uh, it had a cutting mechanism in it. And so you'd be able to like, and it had a built-in radio, so you'd be able to listen to your radio station and, and record it on your record. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. And so there were a lot of like, there's a, there was a, a guy in the U.S. that had like a website, a really, really horrible website. Um, they had like a history of all of the companies that put them out and all the models. Um, and I found two of them on eBay and uh, all I could get them to do was shock the hell out of me. I'm not <laughs> good. At, uh, I'm a software guy. I'm not a hardware guy. So um, I had some local friends try to take a look at them and they're like, I don't dude, we don't know what the hell these things are. Like, so I ended up just selling them again on eBay. I'm like, I don't need these. They were really, you know, they're kind of big and heavy and uh, you could send them to, I think that same guy, he moved uh, to like the desert out West um, and you could send a, the unit to him and he would re totally refurbish it. Oh, wow. And you could go to, he ran a camp and you would go, you, you could go there and pay him for like, I don't know, a week or two and stay at his ranch and learn how to cut a record with him. Cause it's not like, it's not like easy to cut a record and make it sound good. Yeah. It was yeah. really odd. Yeah. Life camp. Damn. Yeah. But he's he's definitely approaching it from that like um, you know post post World War II kind of uh, nostalgia thing, not yeah, you know, free mm -hmm. noise. Mm -hmm. I don't Home think I don't think music. Peter King is or you know the Dead Sea or something. Mm. <laughs> well, one other thing I was going to mention is that um, Mark actually moved out of Tokyo. Was it five years, Mark? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I think it was only four years I lived in Sendai. Yeah, that was our, our what do we call it, a fellow period? Or <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um. So yeah, activity really kind of yeah was sort of slowed down during that time. Uh, I I tried sending Mark uh, <laughs> some tapes worth of my what my rubbish. What those tapes? Yeah, I can't remember. Question I've asked you about those. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't like throw them away on purpose, but. Fair enough. I mean, you know, it was just me mucking around, but um, yeah. You're only just coming back from that, right? In some sense. I mean, I've only been back. Well, I was back for one year, and then it was suddenly COVID. You know. So, yeah, sure, for sure. So you're, you're, yeah, you're both in the Tokyo area. Is that? Yes. Yeah. 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 On, on the same train line now, actually. But yeah. So Mark kind of, you know, followed where where the sort of academic work went, and he went moved up to Sendai. Um, but. Mark, you weren't there during the earthquake, right? That you moved there after the earthquake. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a few years after um, the big the big yeah. quake. Still very shaky up there, though. Well, pretty shaky here as well, isn't it at the moment? <laughs> sure, it is. Yesterday morning, right? It was. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But I remember going up there, and um, you know, after I came back, it seemed like uh, it seemed like you were the king of king of Tokyo, kind of. <laughs> Mark, Mark, Mark is, um, Mark's always been active, but um, I, I just, I just, I, I just, I just found like, yeah, made, um, the amount of things that you were doing, you know, bands you were playing in and stuff you're doing. Speaking of, um, yeah, yeah, it's, I, I don't know, this the kind of things you notice when you go away for a few years. But for you, you were just always here. Well, I guess Sendai is, a, Sendai is not. There's not a lot happening there, I suppose, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, Sendai was no, it was okay. It was I, I, I great roads. You always, you always complain but, um, about great roads. 
Yeah, straight roads. Uh, flat. How big plains. is is Sunday a, a large city? Or I don't. I'm not familiar. It's a million people. So by New Zealand standards, it's an absolute metropolis. I'm sorry. But, um, how big? A million? Uh, a million people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's yeah. It feels like, like a. Greater Rochester area is basically a million. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it weirdly, but it's spread out. You know. So. Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, because the the standard is set by Tokyo and Osaka, you know, it's kind of a million people town is kind of like a, almost a, a backwater here. Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> you, you don't, you know, you'd expect a million town of a million people. There must be a bunch of weirdos and there should be a really interesting scene. And there's some great people doing interesting music in Sendai, but God, be pushing it to call it a scene, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. So it's nice to, nice to come back. But um, yeah, but I, I really, for me, probably Mark hardly noticed anything, but for me, I, I really felt a dynamic shift. Um, uh, just Mark is really like pushing kind of uh, things along uh, these days. I don't know, it wasn't always that dynamic, was it? I mean, back in, back in the day, I was much more proactive and I made that CD, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's really nice, actually, the kind of dynamic changes has changed a lot in Greymouth and it's always, it's nice to be able to be dynamic and not have it be a, a problem, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, bands have bands have egos, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's nice yeah. that it's nice if you can if you don't don't have those problems, then you can kind of you know change who's yeah. uh, who's yeah. pushing things one way or the other. Or... I do. I was kind well, of kind of nice because you know if you're not doing it, the other guys got to. You know, like, <laughs> it's not like four people <laughs> are like, I'm not doing it, and you don't know. Well, hopefully the other three guys will do it. You know, but um, nice. That's a good way to. Good way to put it. <laughs> were you like uh, so when, when you were saying also like when you came back and you noticed this change? Uh, is that just the band or was Mark like? Are you do book shows? Like, are you involved in like trying to book shows and like when people come to the city booking stuff or organizing festivals and? Yeah, well, you know, it seemed for a time there that there were a lot of a lot of Australians coming through town and. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, for, for whatever reason, I suppose I was, you know, good friends with a few people in, say, Melbourne or Sydney, people like Tim Scott, uh, Teenage Hate Radio and stuff. And I, I'd be the kind of person that that probably, uh, you know, as a name to get in touch with and that. And, you know. He doesn't want to make work I, for himself, so he's playing it down. A bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Don't get in uh, touch with him for your band to play in Tokyo. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think perhaps in places like Australia, New Zealand and the States, it's maybe easier to sort of put something on in your house or something like that. But it's quite quite a bit of an undertaking here. You know, if you want to do it in a, in a what they call here a live, a live house, which is a venue essentially. But, you know, we've, I or we've started putting on more shows at our studios. Um, that's still a bit of a financial undertaking because you have to rent the space and you've got to rent staff and stuff like that, but it's actually a lot cheaper and it, you can, it can, it then operates on more of a sort of a DIY sort of level. You can charge sort of the equivalent of sort of $5 at the door. Whereas a light, like last night's show, this uh, Sue show show that I played, it was about $30 to get in. And that's, I don't know, it's a, you know, um, so you can keep it, you know, a lot more low key uh, sort of BYO um, the, the studio we have it, we put a lot of these shows on, has a rooftop, you can have a barbecue and do things like that. And um, it's very just, you know, pretty loose. Um, mm. Actually, before before sort of Corona happened, um, uh, Ragtime Frank 
was coming through and I was going to put a show on with him and uh, Rob Noyes was going to do a duo with Tatsuya Akiyama, which I was very, very excited about. Very excited to see um, Ragtime Frank too, obviously. Um, but yeah, just uh, it just got put off. And then, of course, the uh, coming here was, you know, obviously impossible for um, Ragtime Frank. And that was sort of mm -hmm. the reason why the show was happening. And then just putting on any kind of show was uh, impossible but um yeah you know I, I played in different other kinds of bands too I suppose more yeah like I said before sort of like kind of garagey bands and just sort of rock and rock bands I suppose and that so a bit of a spectrum of people would sort of be coming through and sort of be hope wanting to maybe you know to reach out sort of see if I could put something on um I, I was kind of DJing a lot as well uh, as, uh for a few years and we'd get people coming through like um we had, oh God, his name escapes me, the guy from Crypt Records, he, we did a thing with him, because, um, you know, there's a very, very big garage scene here, as you yeah, yeah. might be aware of, and so a lot of, you know, those guys kind of come through, and sort of the DJ events I was putting on was more kind of, yeah, more garage sort of punk sort of stuff, and um, yeah, so yeah, I suppose, uh, whatever, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, busy. I'm not quite sure what Mike was referring to before, that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I suppose King I, of Tokyo, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just from my perspective, you know. Yeah, so yeah. I love to embarrass him. Getting involved and putting things on and yeah, trying to um, sort of bridge a few. Because the, the, there are a lot of different sort of scenes within scenes or micro scenes here, you know, and, and they often don't sort of overlap in any way. So even though what, say, someone like um, like Masami Kawaguchi, you might think that the uh, sort of garage heads here might be into sort of that well they they wouldn't have any clue who he is because he doesn't yeah. dress up in, in a funny kind of uh, sort of you know <laughs> outfit or something um he's got his own style he's got his own funny style yeah but I then think. but then yeah it, it's not impossible to go to a say like a hardcore show and have mikami khan play like for example that that sort of mikami khan is a, an example of someone who will mm. just play how he's offered and he um he he has been on some quite uh, interesting bills you know which overseas that might not be so unusual but because things here are so just like oh it's three kind of sort of psf style bands or it's three sort of dress up kind of garagey bands or it's three people that just play very quietly or it's it's all very much just and there are there are live there are venues that just play those kinds of shows and um yeah i think what mark was saying uh is someone doing that kind of work like booking shows does a lot you know it's a ton of work because we yeah. me and a bunch of friends here do it and it's the kind of thing like if you don't if you're not doing it no one else is going to do it and it really you know can make or break kind of a town like as far as like how active it is and how much stuff is going on and sort of you sure. know for me i know when i see other people putting on shows i'm inspired to try to do the same thing um but yeah I can I can see where he's coming from. I know you're surprised by that. <laughs> yeah, that's the perfect interpretation yeah. of what I see. Yeah. <laughs> and the 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 reason why it's you know it's preferable to do a show in a studio is that because you know venues here you have to actually make uh, bring in a certain number of guests. Otherwise, you have to kind of pay. Yeah. So you don't get any of the any of the bar. You don't uh, you don't you'll be lucky to get any money at all. So you know I one I think maybe the last straw for me was you know I put on an event, organized it all, I, I drew the poster, I DJed, I one of my bands played, and I was one person shy of making that um, quota of people. And yeah, I that's uh, when you leave just, and you put a mustache on and you come back in, <laughs> and pay you five dollars and. <laughs> 
I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's I, you know, those are the horror stories that people, uh, you know, friends of mine I have down in New York City and LA have. It's that big mm. city thing where it's pay to play. You know, you're literally renting a, a club. Mm. Don't sell enough. There are some places in town here that started trying to do that. They, it was more like the metal club. They would make you sell tickets. And it's for right. a fucking local show. You know, like a couple local bands. And each band had to sell X number of tickets. And, and you're like, whatever. Like, fuck that. You know? Um, so yeah. I, we don't even bother with, you know, venues like that. Um we have some underground spaces that aren't always looked upon nicely from local government. So you have to keep it kind of quiet. Um, uh-huh. but that's really where the good stuff happens. Um, I mean, we have a good bar too in town that put on some good shows, but, uh, for the most part, it's like people just DIY, like putting on shows. And if it's big enough, we'll approach a club and say, Hey, we want to put the show on here. And they'll be like, yeah, fine. And hopefully you'll get some of the door, but we were, we, I've never had to pay, pay a club. So that's good. <laughs> oh, lucky you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. You pay no, more. That's, that's the way it should be, right? Yeah. That's the way it should be. But, you know, with, with, I think with a lot of the sort of reissues coming out now and things of a lot of Japanese, you know, well, the, the Black Edition stuff, there, there might be a view that some of those, you know, when those bands played, that there was a massive local audience. Well, you know, I've been to shows that w- would make you, you know, the... <laughs> the bands playing on paper would make you draw and there's, you know, five people. And this, it's, that's, that was not uncommon at all. You know, there's sort of been sort of historical sort of reevaluation of these bands and that's going to be based on a lot of their recordings and whatnot, but yeah, seriously. Yeah. No, <laughs> Still I, got no I, fans. <laughs> I, I can only imagine, um, you know, the same thing, like, you know, uh, people, uh, being nostalgic about, you know, the older New Zealand scene or, the Japanese, the, the noise scene, you know, not the PSF stuff, but like, so I have my noise extra shirt on. I don't know if you listen to that podcast or not, but uh, Gray and those guys talk a lot. Of, you know, they'll talk to uh, GX Jupiter and stuff like that about, you know, back when they were first making connections in Japan. And it was the same thing. You look at this bill and you're like, oh my God. And they're like, yeah, there was like 10 people there. You know, it was barely yeah, anybody yeah. there. Um, yeah. And it was just, you know, the audience is spread out. <laughs> not not all in one town in japan or one town in new york or in you know auckland or something but and and half those people are probably uh sort of businessmen still wearing their suits actually who've come from after work you know yeah. like, like <laughs> just looking like, for a beer uh, yeah, well, <laughs> that, that's yeah probably not that far off but you know yeah like the, the the show i played last night half the audience were were dudes in suits you know that because we started really early last night we started at 6 45 oh, last yeah. 6:45. Um, I had to race after work and got to, yeah, like I said earlier, I had five minutes to sound check, but, um, there's a show happening in June, uh, Mikai Chie and, uh, Deronko and, um, and Yonju, who's a, a younger guy. And I don't think, I mean, you know, I'm going to try to promote that show just, uh, informally to people to go to it because it's going to be amazing. But I, you know, didn't, on paper, that's just something else, you know, but I, but yeah, it's also at a venue that, that that sort of seats about fifteen people. So, but <laughs> you said fifteen, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a lot, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> can you? Yeah, can you talk about the show? We talked about the show a little bit off mic uh, earlier, but the show you played last night was with who again? 
Oh, so yeah, I played last night with Sushi no Fune. Uh, it was my first time to drum with them for about ten years. I, I was their drummer, uh, yeah, ten years ago for about an about a year. Um, they used to have a curry shop that Mark used to frequent a lot more often than I did. Um, so and good. I think, yeah, and I think Mark sort of befriended them, and they came along, I think, to a Mysteries of Love show, perhaps, and. You know, I think I think every band is always in search of a drummer. I think our drummers are all pretty in short. I don't know. The, the, I, I was asked if I could um, sit in, and I was very kind of intimidated by that because I'd seen their previous drummer, who was this absolute sort of drum kit destroying guy, and I was like, ah, oh, I'm not that guy. I, you know. Is that uh, tail? Yeah, this guy could tail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> insane. Yeah. Like just you know, your mouth was permanently dropped open watching him but anyway so yeah i i i i wasn't going to do it actually but I, I was convinced by my friend tim to do it and uh i went along and yeah we sort of had i don't know some some sort of chemistry and i it was really fun i like i say i was in played with him for about a year we, we did a kansai tour so osaka kyoto and um i was asked to go on a a tour to the States where they were doing their sort of thing with Bardo Pond and I couldn't get the time off work. And so, yeah, I just, um, and yeah, that drum stool was always a bit of a revolving position and they, they enlisted somebody else. And when they came back, that person was sort of their, their permanent member from then on. I was quite happy though. I, a year, I was, uh, really, really enjoyed that. They're really great people. And I was yeah really, really chuffed to be asked to play last night's show. It was, yeah, it was, a, it was a dream. It was great. It was really fun. And very strange to have to be playing where your the whole whole drum kit is mic'd up. That's a, that's a real rarity here. So, um, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I, that was great. Did you it was have really, the sound check properly? Like, like I say, I did five minutes. That's all I could do. I, <laughs> okay. I guess someone set up the, set, mic'd up the kit before you came, maybe. But, but this, yeah, oh, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, sh shows start here very early and finish early. Like um, we, <laughs> like I say, last night's show started at 6.45 and finished at 7.45 on the dot. And everybody, it was also kind of the Corona sort of thing, but everybody of course had to yeah. get out. And there was no alcohol served. And, um, but yeah, Mark and I played a show once where uh, I, I, you know, I finished work at the normal time. I don't know, the first band only played for about five minutes. So Mark had to get on and, and I had to <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. I I arrived oh, at the place and had to make my way through the crowd wearing my work clothes and just climb up on the stage and start playing. While well, Mark was already kind of flailing around. <laughs> pretty tough on starting times here, you know. You got your chance. You got to got to get those thirty yeah. minutes in, however you can. Yeah, things are very very tight and um, yeah, old to the minute, literally to the minute. Um, like the which, you know, I, it was like here. Everything starts late here. I actually like that too. Like I'd rather later shows cause I have kids. So it's easier to get out of the house when it's later uh, than earlier. Yeah. Um, right, right. You know, so I don't mind late shows, but yeah, like it's the ongoing thing. Like the, if the start time's listed on the flyer at eight o'clock, it's starting at like oh. nine or 10, you know, it's never right. eight o'clock. Yeah. Unless it's a big promoter and they're like, you know, being hard asses about stuff and it's a touring band, but if it's like shows we're setting up, then yeah, it's, it's loose. It's like, we start when there's enough people here and they're drunk. Sure. Enough, you know? 
<laughs> I mean, like the last time that I had the opportunity to see the, see the Dead Sea play uh, in Auckland before I sort of left New Zealand, I think it was still one o'clock and they hadn't played and I had to be up at six o'clock to like wash dishes or something at, at a cafe job. So I just, I couldn't, I had to go home. And just, um, kind of regret it, but uh, you know, what are you going to do? Last time I saw them, it was in Philadelphia and I drove down from here. So that's like a seven hour drive, seven oh, yeah. and a half. And uh, yeah, they played late. <laughs> Robbie couldn't make it. He, uh, like, he had a uh, uh, passport issue or something, so they just did a duo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was a great. You should ask your money back. <laughs> I got a third of it back. And um, oh, they okay. him, right? no. huh? I think they, they they had a box full of samples of him him drumming. Is that right? They did. Yeah, I think they. Yeah, they had oh, samples okay. playing. Yeah, in the background. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, it was a yeah, very small club, a great club in uh, Philadelphia. I do, I do try to um, try to go back to New Zealand for the Lines of Flight Festival. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, Joe. It's mm -hmm. a, it's a, it's every two years. It was sort of run by uh, Peter Stapleton, um, held out at Port Chalmers, and it's sort of a three day, um, you know, kind of a who's who, I suppose, or just a, a bunch of the same people, sort of a you know, in different sort of configurations of of bands and whatnot, and yeah, so you know, I, I've I've gotten to see the the members of the, you know obviously the Dead Sea play individually and as different other and different other configurations and everybody else in town play. It's a very it's a really wonderful thing. I uh, I think you know since Peter's passing, I think they're going to try to um, do it again, perhaps next year. I think maybe uh, in March. Um, I was gonna I was gonna try to. Uh, <laughs> try, to, try, try to work in my wedding in New Zealand to, to okay. coincide. <laughs> this is, this is yeah, on the I record. Say, did you tell I'm anybody? Yeah, <laughs> I, I I didn't go back the first time when I first moved here. I didn't go back for a couple of years and maybe two or three years. And now it's about every year, but obviously not since this whole Corona things kicked in. But um, yeah, yeah. I think one thing Mark and I have always talked about is as. <laughs> how we would go down playing in New Zealand because we've, you know, yeah. obviously never played there. Um, <laughs> go down and, like a, yeah, like a lead balloon. You're imposters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, because, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> Assuming anyone would even organize this a concert. <laughs> organize it ourselves probably yeah just have to hire hire some gear and play on play on k road or something you know <laughs> busk yeah our best chance yeah uh what uh so yeah i guess just curious uh what kind of stuff are you guys listening to these days i want to start asking people this i'm curious okay yeah. um well I, ju I just got the new graham lemkin box oh yeah i got that too uh like two weeks ago and i haven't even opened it yet I mean, I, I haven't wrapped it, but I haven't listened to it yet. I've cracked the book, you know. I've had a listen. I I own, you know, I own poem already, and I own. Um, I think that's maybe the only one I own of those. The book's great, you know. A few too many photos of Graham with his shirt off, perhaps, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's hot. It's hot where it's hot there in New York, isn't it? So, um, um, yeah, you know, it's sort of I. There are a couple of good mail orders here in Tokyo, uh, shops in Japan, but I'm, I'm tending to buy everything from Mateus, you know, so it's probably, I'm probably buying the same things you're buying, you know, I suppose. Um, I, get I, suppose from, I get stuff from them uh, quicker than I get stuff from like somewhere in the States. Our postal service is a mess right now. It got like right. fucked up right. uh, 
during our election last year and it hasn't caught up really. Yeah, it's a mess. So overseas stuff gets here quicker. Like New Zealand, I got I get I got tapes from somebody over there. Uh women's independent women, yeah, yeah. Yeah, independent women. Uh yeah, I got tapes from them in like a week and it takes me oh. stuff from like LA like three weeks. Right, right, yeah. No, he's right. um he's doing great stuff on that label for sure. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, maybe Mateus is perhaps potentially, I don't, you know, want to paint it like this, but a bit sort of filled this sort of void that maybe volcanic tongue, maybe, uh, yeah. um, had years ago, not, not necessarily being a tastemaker or whatever, but just sort of, you know, providing the things like a one-stop shop for the, the sort of stuff that you didn't know you want, but you, <laughs> but you, you all of a sudden do because they're in limited quantities and it sounds great. I mean, but you know, like you say, like he doesn't, you know, he doesn't overhype things, especially, you know, in that, yeah, like in the zing. I don't know, Mark, how about you? What are you listening to? Except for uh, my, yeah. except, for, except, except for the rubbish, the rubbish that I send you every other day. That, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not listening to that. <laughs> uh, that. That'll be my listening. That'll definitely be my homework uh, for this weekend, assuming I get around to it finally. What a drag. Um, yeah. I know my, our house is really tiny. It's always kind of a, a mess and the records are not, not very accessible at the moment. So I usually have to pull out the portable. I made the mistake of getting a Bluetooth record player. That's just, oh God, I hate Bluetooth so much. Never going to do it again. Only, only wires from now on. Anyone who's listening. I was, dude, I was just lamenting about Bluetooth the other day saying, I, you know, and again, I'm, I've been in technology since 93. I got out of college and I've been, I'm not a hardware guy, but it's shit. I don't. So yeah, I know. So I, I, I'm not playing, not playing very many records at home. If I do it, I'll probably just put on an old favorite to get my Sunday morning off to start. Like usually listen to a love Supreme on, on a Sunday morning. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I listen to so much music on YouTube. It's almost embarrassing. This is, you know, we're talking about um, rehearsal spaces in, in the States and obviously it must be really different over the, the huge area of the States, but there's this great video I come back to sometimes of uh, Morbid Angel um, practicing in, a, in, I guess, a storage shed in yeah. Florida. And it's, it's just the kind of, I guess, the earliest classic era of Morbid Angel. I don't know if you're a death, Florida death metal fan or not. I, but, um, I'm aware of them all. Of, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, the things, I never listen to a lot, but yeah. One of the yeah. things that kind of blew my mind uh, growing up and which I abandoned for a long time, but when you get over 40 suddenly you kind of come back to things you listen to as a teenager and i just really love this thing where they're all playing the drummers in one shed and then um uh i guess this was what's his name kid sandover when he was in the band but anyway um and then the others are kind of outside with the with the shed door closed so that they can actually hear themselves and i don't know it's just kind of beautiful i, I kind of like youtube for that reason i mean youtube is very easy and evil evil and uh the comments are, the comments are just insane oh don't uh, yeah never read the comments but I, I i don't know i just kind of like that it's still a little bit of a wild west you know has a bit of a nasty feel to it so so you can yeah find so much stuff up there like i yeah just recently i was watching there's a captain beefheart like on some live tv show and it's just I, and i don't know i don't listen to a ton of beefheart it's one of those bands that i should listen to more and i don't um, but I always go back to this, man, it's this jam that they just do forever. And then there's this crazy long, like nine minute bass solo and it's all on YouTube. And it was on a TV show. I don't know what TV show it was. What? Yeah. The big kind of footage is what YouTube insane. is for, right? Yeah. I mean, 
and it, well there was a yeah there's i always find there was a, a i think it was a new zealand show it was almost like a top of the pops but in new zealand oh uh, with a dead thing playing on it do you mean there's or... yeah there's yeah there's uh, a clip of that and then it was some other i thought that was some other bands that i watched once two years ago when i first came across that but yeah it's fun oh, to find that stuff here. yeah God. yeah yeah i know Definitely or like the can there's a, a bunch of really good can live ones where they're playing in what looked like discos in germany like it totally looked like a discotheque but it's yeah. can doing a you know 12 minute song there are a lot of gyms a lot of gyms up there uh, yeah as nasty as it may be yeah <laughs> swamp swamp of the internet yeah. <clears throat> all right well um i mean that's all i have for you uh i want to thank you guys for uh agreeing to do this and give me some time oh our pleasure thank you for the opportunity yeah thank you so much joe really <laughs> nice to have someone yeah. who wants yeah. to talk to us <laughs> so i hope you enjoyed that interview as much as i did uh it was great meeting those guys and talking for a while thanks again for listening you're listening to a track called mutated on a Greymouth cassette called Telepathic Dunce on Careful. Uh, this came out in 2020. We're going to listen to this a little bit more, and then we're going to get into uh, some pieces from their most recent cassette on site recordings, which I like that Mark also called it Seasight, which I did forever. <laughs> uh, that, that cassette is called Aerials in Summer. And then we're going to listen to a few other random tracks that they kind of pointed me to uh, I'll, I'll give a full rundown uh, towards the end of the show so uh, enjoy these uh, tracks
background here is something slightly related to the interview. It's related. So this is Moon Phantoms. It's a collaboration between uh, members of Bardo Pond and Shusho Nofun. So the relationship here is uh, you heard Mark Anderson uh, describe um, his part-time status in Shusho Nofun as the drummer. So uh, he just recently uh just last week the night before we did the interview they did a show in tokyo and he is the drummer now in the band i'm not sure if that's a full-time thing or not but um so that's why i decided to play this track as kind of the the closing track of the episode thanks again for listening uh so what you heard at the very beginning of the, the show, the episode, you heard Mysteries of Love with a track called No One, and that's uh, Mark and Mark and two other people. Those other people are Anthony Guerra and Noel Kalan. Uh, then the uh, interview took place, and then I played a number of Greymouth tracks, so in order of first to last, uh, Muntated, from the Telepathic Dunce cassette on Careful Catalog, Aerials in Summer, that's a title track, from a cassette on Sight Recordings, and then Fake Beard, that's from a compilation called Workers' Comp on All Gone, another comp track, Golden Hour Seashell Soup, and that's on the Sisolation compilation. And I'll say that's volume one because there's another one coming out. And that's on the Accelerate Psy Phenomena label. Run by Campbell Neal. 
So yeah, there's another one coming out, and uh, Greymouth's got to have a track on that as well. So psyched about that. This track from Moon Phantoms is called Departure to the Space. This uh, came out in 2009 on Important Records. So thanks again for listening. Thanks to Mark and Mark again for giving me an interview. And I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Gonna try to get back onto a weekly schedule. The next show will probably be music only, and I have a few more interviews lined up, so I'm psyched about that. But we'll see what the schedule's like. You can follow us on Instagram to kind of, I don't know, I try to post on there, but not very often. It's uh, at My Teeth Need Attention. Uh, you can go to MyTeethNeedAttention.com to get all the links for the podcasts to subscribe to various platforms and Mixcloud link and the Patreon link and all that stuff. So thanks again for listening, and I, I hope you are being well and safe and strong. And we'll see you next time, right? Take care. Bye.
little psycho here. <clears throat> As I was playing that long Moon Phantoms track, I realized I never got around to playing Greymouth releases from Edishi Del Barone. So <laughs> I got to play uh, what you're hearing in the background here is from their uh, their own seven inch on that label. And then I'm going to, uh, I, I might play a few tracks, and then I'm going to play uh, a track from the uh, Porcelain Summer compilation 7-inch that uh, Mark referenced in the podcast as well. So uh, enjoy this little uh, almost post-show bonus. All right, uh, take care, and we'll see you next week. Thank mm-hmm. you.